following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And ladies, we got a jam-packed show today. We got an exciting guest coming in that's going to talk about Pine Straw. Anybody of you guys know what that is before we showed up here today? Stacy, you I did, right? I have friends that live in the South. Okay. <laughs> Pretty interesting. So uh, Catherine Strock's going to come in. She owns Mid-Atlantic Pine Straw. Uh, they're based out of Chester County. She'll be coming in for the last segment we're going to talk about Inman's advice for new agents. There's 89 tips for new real estate agents. We're not going over all of them. We can talk about the ones that are most effective. And what we're going to lead off with is a really interesting story coming from Housing Wire. And the, the reason I find this interesting is that it talks about confidentiality. And before we get into it, just a reminder, we're streaming on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Check us out there. Subscribe to the channel. We'll keep this content coming. So... With this story on Housing Wire, uh, there was uh, a lawsuit uh, that, that was involved with a Miami mansion and who purchased the property. So what the story says here, and let me wait for it to come up. I don't want to get the details wrong. And I found this really interesting. So the short of it is that there is an agent down in Miami, and she is under fire. Her name's Jessica Adams. She works with One Sotheby's International Realty. And she, the, the TechCrunch co-founder and crypto investor, Michael Arrington, went on Twitter last week on Tuesday um, and alleged that Adams leaked out information about his purchase of a Miami waterfront mansion to the press that created a ton of security concerns that forced him and his family to relocate. And, you know, what he went on, what they went on to say was that despite their best efforts, that people found out where they lived. Um, there was a threat about you know, doxing. I don't even know what that is, so we're going to Google that here. Um, you guys know what doxing is by chance? Uh, like exposing someone's personal information. Like uh, bingo, right? Search for or publish private information. Stacy for the win. Very good. Thank you for helping with my vocabulary. So they, they, there was a threat about doxing, how it harms people, and how it harmed his family. And it brought up a, a more interesting question about ethics of agents leaking information, photos and videos to the press about where they live, who lives where. So, so what, do you, what do you ladies think about all this? I think um, as agents, I mean, we are held to high standards here. Like we have to protect um, confidential information. So, you know, I get why some agents, uh, you know, they, they want to build their reputation their business mm -hmm. so uh, maybe they don't haven't even thought the process through thoroughly and maybe they don't understand or they <laughs> don't want to understand how some of these things that they do create these uh, security situations mm -hmm. uh, for people or for homes so I, I think that just we have to be very mindful of everything all paperwork any kind of electronic files um, what we post on social media, I think that's really important um, because things can, as you're doing a simple video through someone's house, there's yep. a lot of things that can be picked up. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that one with social media being what it is today and wanting to um, go out there and show what you're working on, showing the listings, showing the the homes that you're touring and stuff, you see a lot of agents posting that. And you do have to be hypersensitive to what it is that you're putting up. Um, I think in this case, too, it was saying that they were actually going through a trust and taking extra measures in order for their basic information, like their names, <laughs> to not yep. be wow. um, made known. And um, so especially if you're if you know that these heightened security measures are going in place, you would think that you would be a bit more cognizant of um, of that situation. Also, if you're dealing with a lot of these, I think it was listed at like 16 million, went for like a little over 10. All the homes in that neighborhood, I think, were listed around 10 million. So you're dealing with, um, you know, a type of clientele here where you'd think you'd be a little bit more aware of of what you're doing there. I mean, you obviously want to get your name out there showing that you're doing these types of listings, but, you know, being being mindful of, of what's going on. I, I think it's more than just for the price range. I'll actually, it doesn't matter whether the home's 150000 yeah. It's $16 million. We don't sell those kind of properties around here. That's okay. Um, but I, I would say that there there are sensitive issues here. I mean, what if you have like a crazy relative that's after you, right? What if you are dealing with a situation where there's like a nasty divorce going on? Like there's so many things that can come up besides just someone being famous and have a lot of money. Uh, the story here, it, it, it's pretty alarming. So on, on Twitter, uh, Arrington wrote that the home purchase was leaked to the press by Adams. Uh, while the exact location wasn't shared, based on the information that was disclosed, it was trivial to determine its exact location. Um, apparently, she had uh, um, it was listed on the lo- local MLS as a pending sale, um, and it officially sold back in, in May of last year. And then initially, the agent denied leaking the information. And then she had a couple quotes that appeared in articles discussing the sale, and she admitted going to the press claiming that confidentia- claiming that the confidentiality agreement confidentiality agreement, excuse me, was not valid. And then she emailed Real Trends and said, "I handled this listing, and there was no confidentiality or non-disclosure agreement in place." So here's where I have a problem with this. I don't know the laws down in Florida. I'll be the first one to tell you. What I do know is that we all have a code of ethics we follow, and I know what the consumer notice says in Pennsylvania. And the first thing, like it literally says. You have a confidentiality responsibility to your clients. So now, if she didn't work with the buyer, I mean, that that's a whole other thing. But people have access to the public records. And because they went through a trust, to your point, like they were intentionally trying to do this. So, I, you know, I, I don't think enough agents really take this seriously is, is really the problem. Like people gossip. They talk. In Pennsylvania, there's absolutely confidentiality responsibilities. And you guys mentioned like going through the homes and like videoing or, or doing that sort of stuff. Like there people have now I, we instruct our clients like, Hey, put your private stuff away. Like you have to be very careful there. People leave out things that can maybe not a doxing situation. It's my new word for the day. Uh, instead it might hurt their ability to negotiate. I mean, there's so many different things that happen here. I see agents sometimes they post like, Oh, it's offer time on Instagram. And then they have the address of the property like on the, like, well, what if you're bidding on that? Right. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So with that, I mean, do you think agents take this too lightly overall in the industry? Not, not, not obviously our organization. I mean, tell me more about what your reaction is here because this woman basically said she came out and said, Hey, the agreement wasn't valid. I didn't know you needed a confidentiality agreement to make it valid. That that's kind of my observation. 
Right. It's kind of a given that, you know, you keep things confidential, especially for everybody involved. I mean, it's just that's just ethically and morally right. Um, what I found pretty alarming is that she also did a video walkthrough mm -hmm. of the house and posted it to her Instagram account. But it was done after the sale closed. So that would kind of be like trespassing right. on private property now, at did that she, point. Did she go in after it closed? Was that how it worked? Well, I it says that she did a walkthrough video tour of the house on her Instagram account after the sale officially closed. Okay. Well, I guess the question, so, I mean, and we don't know, it sounds like. We don't like. know, but okay. that to me is like a major violation right there. But yeah, there's, there's so many things, especially... I find it fascinating with lockboxes and codes. Um, if you look on some listings, it'll say, agents, do not give out lockbox code right, right. <laughs> to buyers. And buyers must be accompanied at all times through uh, the showings or to the showing. Um, so this kind of stuff really does happen if agents have to reiterate that and, and actually post that on the MLS. Right. I mean, I would say, I mean, the best... The best way to go about anything is obviously keep keep information confidential unless if the uh, your client says it's OK to, to share something. If it's something that they feel may, you know, either help on the, the buy side, like, you know, let them know my situation or mm -hmm. um, on the sell side. I mean, obviously, if you're trying to line up a buy sell, like, um, you know, being given the go ahead for as offers come in to kind of let them know like, hey, this is the timeline that we're trying to hit or this is when we need this to happen. It's stuff that just like structures the deal to benefit um, everyone. But uh, yeah, just giving the whole spiel of, of what's up with the buyers or or this whatever side you're on is, I mean, it's it's appreciated when somebody on the other side kind of gives you a little more. But, yeah. um, you know, best thing to do is keep it close to the chest. I I I. I really question agents that when they give that that too much information because it could hurt mm -hmm. it, they think they're helping and it ends up hurting in, in a lot of situations and mm -hmm. this particular agent i mean she sold 34.6 million dollars worth of florida real estate last year and she was number 173 in the state for top individual agents so this is not some not some rookie agent or not some novice or someone that doesn't know what's going on she's obviously closed a lot of transactions I, what's alarming to me is that I, I don't think people really take this seriously enough. I mean, you know, we, we have policies at our team. I mean, even if it's – and think about the way inventory is right now. Mm -hmm. Someone goes around and says, oh, I'm writing an offer on this house. Well, if you're around 50 agents, I would imagine someone else is pursuing that home as well because there's nothing out there. That would be the first one. And the second one, this can cost people money. Um, I mean, I've even seen agents that they ask another agent, hey, what are you working on, and use that information against them to get the house. I mean, it's so – this goes so deep. So how do you how do you tell your clients how to deal with this stuff? Because we know that agents shouldn't be they just should say nothing is kind of the I mean, that I, am I wrong here? Or is it just like don't talk about anything um, and, and, and honor that confidentiality agreement? That's really a responsibility more, more than anything else. How do you advise your clients here like a seller's getting ready for the market? What are you telling them a buyer is getting ready to put their, uh, you know, go look at a home. What are you telling them? Because there's a couple things I don't think people are aware of that even come into play right now when it when it comes to confidentiality. Well, for sellers, um, as they're prepping the home and we're getting ready for even pictures, you know, I just make sure that they're fully aware of the potential of buyers, many, many buyers coming through. And everyone's always taking pictures or video. So if you have anything personal, anything that you don't want on on 
uh, video or in pictures, definitely remove it. Remove it from the house, pack it up, put it away. Um, it's really, really important that sellers understand that, especially if it's, you know, the market the way it is today, sellers are usually packing up for the weekend and kind of opening up their house to mm -hmm. many, many buyers. So you have so many, so much foot traffic through. Um, so I think it's just really important that sellers understand that it could be something very simple that they're overlooking. Like you had mentioned earlier, Tom, a calendar on the refrigerator. Yeah, it says, hey, closing on my new exactly. construction home, right? right? Well, all of a sudden, you know, they're a little more motivated. I mean, that, right, that's a right. real life example, too. Like, yeah. I've seen that happen many times. So, yeah, yeah. go ahead. And then uh, for, for buyers, one thing I instruct them on is, you know, people have different devices in their homes that are recording and listening. And it's not always that they're like setting this up to try and catch the individual. But, you know, you have your ring doorbells, you have um, just your devices with within the home that are listening. And certain there absolutely are sellers that will come back and then kind of relook through or re-listen through. So if there's anything, you know, if we're going to talk about the offer or talk about, you know, how we want to position ourselves. I always let them know, like, we, you know, we'll meet, we'll talk about all that after we're out of the house when we're, like, mm -hmm. out of the cars, um, just so they're not accidentally giving away too much information. That, that, that is great advice because people do, even though it's illegal to do. Right. Like, people it still it do says, it, right. yeah, people still do it because there's no way to track it, but it, it says, like, specifically in the listing contract, it's illegal to do that. Now, not in all states. Like, New Jersey's only a single-party consent state, so it's a little different, but Pennsylvania, you need a two-party consent for any sort of recorded information. So, so here's what the Code of Ethics says nationally for realtors. So it's not just Pennsylvania. The obligation of realtors to preserve confidential information as defined by state law, so that's obviously going to vary, provided by their clients in the course of any agency relationship or non-agency relationship recognized by law continues after termination of the agency or non-agency relationships recognized by law. Then it says, realtors shall knowingly during or following the termination with their clients do a couple things. One is reveal confidential information. Two, use confidential information of clients to the disadvantage of clients. Or three, use confidential information of clients for the realtor's advantage or for the advantage of third parties. Unless client consents after full disclosure, realtors are ordered by the court, it's the intention of the client to commit a crime, or it's necessary to prevent a crime, or... It's necessary to defend a realtor or the realtor's employees against uh, accusation of wrongful conduct. So based on that, this agent in Florida sounds like they're, they're in some trouble, would be my observation. I mean, I, I, this, this looks pretty cut and dry. Um, I love what you said about putting stuff away and confidential information. I would even go as far as, like, pictures. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been in homes where there's been, like, Emmy Awards, and, like, people are like, oh, who lives here? And, they, and, and like, as realtors, we can look up – you're going to find out who owns the property. It's going to be on the agreement of sale – um, and that's information people are entitled to because they want to know who they're dealing with. But people just should put all personal stuff away so there's no judgment about it whatsoever. I mean, you know, you'd be surprised what happens. And you can't vet everyone that comes through the house. You can vet them, but they can still lie to you or tell you something else. The, the recording thing is so true. I mean, that's that's probably the best piece of advice that's going to come out of this because I've seen sellers, like, call me and they're like, hey, the buyer's interested. And I said, the showing ended five minutes ago. That, that's pretty impressive. No, I, I listened on my Amazon Alexa, and this was before the listing contract got changed. I said, you know, that, that's illegal to do, so why don't you just stop telling me whatever you heard right now? And then they're like, what do you mean? It's my house. And they, they don't know the laws, which I, I think that's a good move for Pennsylvania to put that in the listing contract. So, you know, with that, when it comes to confidentiality, I mean, 
how do you treat this? I mean, you know, my view is that once I hear something from somebody, unless it's required by law to disclose, like the seller saying, hey, the septic failed or there's a leak in the roof, besides that sort of stuff, I mean, my, my view is we just got to zip it and, and, and be done with it. I don't think there's really much you can say. Is there anything we're, we're missing here? Because this story is just so out of whack to me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised by it. Yeah, I think you just zip it. <laughs> like if they're if the sellers or you find something out, you you just have to hold it. Like like Sarah said, right? Hold it to your chest. You can't you can't disclose this information. Um, again, I'll I'll go back to it. we're held at higher standards. One hundred percent. We have to keep this this business is very professional, so it's our reputations at stake here. And plus, like this article, obviously the lives of people, the true life of this family who were doxxed <laughs> but um, you'd be amazed at how much information buyers can actually Google and find out about sellers anyway on their own mm-hmm. right and they'll come to a showing and they'll say oh well I heard the buyers of this that and the other and I don't even I right. have no clue I mean yeah. I said that wrong the sellers yeah. yeah I heard the sellers are this that and the other right and I'm like well that I don't know I don't know let's just you know Continue. I just avoid it like right. the plague. I don't even entertain any of that stuff. To me, it is gossip. Right. And I mean, you certainly do work with different clients who are more inclined to Google everything, look everything mm-hmm. up, and they they do, they do, and then they like spit all this stuff <laughs> at you, and you're kind of like, I mean, I I don't know. Like I I didn't go that deep into like <laughs> researching the behind the scenes like facts about the the sellers. Like, you want to go over the seller's disclosure? Absolutely. You want to talk right. about the house? Let's do it. You want to talk about like right. the, the sellers themselves? Like I know, um, so and I mean I think you also touched on another good point there about you know I think you'd said something about like our reputations and mm-hmm. for this for this agent whatever amount of whatever she was going for out of of doing this I mean I think that this is gonna come back no matter what the results are of her being sued and and of that I mean I think that's something that people will remember when. Mm-hmm they are would be involved in a transaction with her especially like especially if there's somebody who's um really trying to keep that buttoned up and and not have not have their name get out there i mean they they went as far as again as we talked about putting this in a trust so that even their names weren't known as the documents were were going through think about what you just said there that you um that they the, the reputation is, is being lost and how quickly that happens and they're trying to gain something and mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we heard stories of like people spend years and then it's one stupid thing they do and all of a sudden they, they lose it all. And you mentioned about Googling sellers, right? You think this agent, is, is this isn't going to be like the number one search on Google. In fact, let's try this right now. So we're going to Google Jessica Adams, realtor. Let's see what comes up. Um, oh, let's. So not too bad yet. But I would imagine this story is going to move its way up the uh, up the chains here. Um, and let's see what's on the now. She may have hired a really good PR firm that will scrub the internet. Well, <laughs> now this just happened too. Okay. So, um, but it's so I, I give her credit that I mean maybe she did hire a good PR firm. But I mean if I was you know and and let's take it one step further. If I knew this, and I was interviewing against this person, you think I wouldn't bring that up? I mean right. I absolutely would have be like, hey, can I tell you what makes me nervous? I've had agents that have moved out of the state. And I'm interviewing against them, and I've said, hey, do you know that your realtor that you're talking to doesn't live in the state anymore? And it just doesn't even come up. And it's so it, – she's going to get hurt by this. I mean, I think this totally. is – this is, and I, I don't know what there was to gain. There was a lot to lose, to your point. So, you know, on, on that note, 
don't tell anybody anything ever in real estate transactions is kind of the takeaway here. But confidentiality is real, and I think you need to treat that very, very seriously is, is kind of the, the takeaway here. So what we're going to do on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the 89 tips for new agents in 2022 from Inman. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Mortgage America's have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Gabe putting us on the live stream here on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we're going to talk about something next here. I, I found this article really interesting. Uh, it was Inman's. 89 tips for new real estate agents in 2022. And what they did was they went out and they asked all kinds of agents who were doing lots of transactions, lots of sales, one question. What's your advice for agents launching careers in 2022? And some of this was a little repetitive. Like, I mean, I went through there and I'm like, okay, you, you changed like three words. That's great. They had a lot of different topics from getting started, choosing a focus, Choosing your market, which I don't know that a lot of people can choose that unless you're relocating. Lead gen, nurturing leads, the transaction, staying educated, teams, virtues, self-care, all sorts of stuff. I'd love to talk to you two, and I've got my list here as well. Maybe the three or four best pieces of advice that we each found. Because if you get more than three or four things, you're not going to do any of them. That, that's usually my observation. So it's as a new agent coming in, like... I would see this and be like, great, how do I implement all 89? I'd probably lose my mind. And I think that that's the one reason I, I don't love the way the article was formatted. So what were your takeaways here? I mean, and, and maybe we can each kind of jump in with like our top one, then like number two, number three, and then we'll just kind of run through a couple of these and, and see what makes sense. Because there's a lot of people that want to get into real estate. An agent got licensed every seven seconds last year. We're at the highest number of agents all time again heading into 2022. So this is something I'm sure a lot of people want to know about. 
So I think it's it's funny that they picked 89. I mean, some thought must have been put into that for like, let's get 89. Because I think it could have been boiled down to, I mean, a lot of them were pretty repetitive. I think the most common thing that that came up here was really about structuring your day and lead gen and how much time needs to be put into that part in order to sustain your business. Um, so, I mean, lead generation and and putting that time aside, I think, hit in every single one of of these categories. Um and that that's what's going to like sustain you through and that you have to like stick with it. Yep. I agree. Well, that's like the backbone. Yeah. That's like the, and trust the process, <laughs> you know, definitely trust the process. Um, yeah. Don't rise <laughs> when it's bad, but sink to your training. What was. No, no yeah. Uh, so you don't, yeah, you don't yeah, rise yeah. to the occasion. You sink to your, your training. Right. Yeah. yeah, when, yeah. Exactly. Like when the going gets tough. That's good. No, that's a great point. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really good points in here. I would have to say that just a couple of real basic things. Um, be nice. That's like my my big thing. Just, oh my goodness! Just be nice, okay? <laughs> um, you know, Tom and I talk a lot about some of the um, not so nice people out there <laughs> that we have to work with, um, and it it's not so fun. You know, it, it makes it really miserable. Um, but be nice. The other thing too is the three second funeral. So, like, mm-hmm. you get kicked in the gut, like, daily sometimes when you're trying to, you know, get some deals under contract or go through uh, some inspections. So when when something negative happens, when something falls through, give yourself only three seconds. That's it. Three-second funeral, be done. Because in the very next five minutes, you could get an email in your inbox that somebody wants to, you know, uh, you know what, we do want to pursue that new construction that we saw on Saturday. Let's mm-hmm. how do we sign the contract? So, you know, you go from <laughs> you go from really bad to really good in in a matter of seconds. So there that would be my advice. Be nice. Give yourself a three second funeral when the negative happens. And remember, it's service and not sales. So yeah, that that's good. Yeah. That was from a coaching call. Today. That yep. wasn't even in the in the article. So shout out to Jeff Mays. Thanks. He's, <laughs> he's our team coach. Yeah. So, and I think that 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 carries through to so many of the different other points that they touched on like if you put your client first and focused on and focus on helping them and getting them through the transaction whether that's guiding them through you know some tedious parts where like honestly they could be shooting themselves in the foot or, mm-hmm. or walking away too soon or helping them you know if this hey this isn't the right one for you you know what i mean like helping guide them through if you have their best interests in mind throughout the process, I think that that carries through to, you know, having that mentality of not being overly salesy and of of following up. And of, I think another thing they really touched on was like, do what you say you're going to do and pick up your phone. Love that. Yes, so I, I grouped this a little differently than you did. So the first group I came up with, and this to me is number one, and, and there was three that were all the same. Prospect 24-7, video follow-up works, and set aside time for follow-up. It's kind of all the same, but different tactics there. What, what, what The reason I, I hit that first is that so many agents, uh, they rely on like, oh, I got the best technology. It's going to bring me business. Or I got the best CRM. It's going to help me. You know what really works in getting sales? Picking up the phone and like calling people or texting them or using video to follow up. And to me, the biggest reason a lot of agents don't do well is they don't want to make those calls. They're afraid to reach out to people. They don't take that activity on a daily basis that seriously. So I thought that was the best piece of advice first and foremost. Um, and you know that that 
any new agent out there, like if you just sit on the phone for two hours a day, good things are going to happen over time. And you mentioned for trust sure. the process, right? The process. I, you, you have to know that it's not going to happen right away. And, and one of the subsets of that first piece of advice was that success comes in waves. So the appointments come in bunches, right? Sales come in bunches for a lot of people. I mean, I'm sure I, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but have you had a time where like you had a slump and all of a sudden like you popped like five, six deals out of nowhere, yeah. right? Like it happens all the time. So it's not going to be that daily flow of like, okay, I need to get one sale today and one sale on th- it never, it never goes by the plan, but if you keep your actions consistent, that's going to work. So that was my first one. Um, the second one I wanted to get your, your take on, I thought this was pretty interesting. This came from Kendall Butler from FLI properties in Georgia. You're an educator, not a salesperson. Tell me what you think about that. Definitely be the knowledge broker. So you, you want to provide information to the buyers and to sellers because you you want to them to have all the information that they need to make the right decisions to make the best decisions for their situation so bring forth all the information that you can instead of trying to just nail down a sale mm-hmm. right and i think it actually it takes the pressure and the liability if you will off of you because you're just that you're saying this is this is the scenario, like this is what's up, these are the possible outcomes, this is the way it looks. Not like if you're so focused on like just getting them under contract for X house, then you know, if if that's not the right move ultimately, like you you feel bad, you know, but if you provide them with the information and let them make the choice, they had all of the pieces and it was their decision to to move forward how they wanted to. The clients can also feel what you're talking about. Like I, we, we've seen the agents where they got commission breath, and it's all about I got to get this thing closed. And it, it's if you don't put the person before the property, uh, because look, someone's got to live in this house, right? Like we're not dealing with like commercial investments or different things. I mean, sometimes it's an investment property, sure. And to be the educator, you also have to know what the hell you're talking about. So if you're not spending the time boning up on market statistics, how the ten-year Treasury bill works and affects mortgage rates, all these things that people talk about now because the buyers today are more well-informed than they were 15 years ago. The sellers today are even more well-informed than they were 15, 20 years ago. The clients are going to sniff that out because there's so much competition right now. So I love what you said that it's, you have to make sure that you're not coming off that way. You point out what's there, but then you also have to have that like real conversation too that, so, Hey Sarah, we've looked at seven other homes and this is the only one you rated a, a five and a half out of seven. Everything else was three and less. We're not seeing anything else, and I know you, you you've got to you know, and then you go through what they're, and I always bring it back to their motivation because the emotions do get in the way, mm-hmm. but that's not sales. That's educating them on making a logical decision for their household, and I think there's a big difference there between what salespeople think because a lot of salespeople they think I got this great objection handle, it'll close any sale, or I could sell ice to an Eskimo or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's like all those different things that come up. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's just being consultative. So that I thought that was really good. Um, do you guys have any others that jumped out at you here? I got a couple more. I don't want to talk over the whole segment here. Uh, why don't you give us your next one? All right, one. good. Okay, I will. <laughs> so the, the the other one I found interesting was like find a mentor or join a team or an organization that's going to give you opportunities because I know what it was like when I started. I was literally like looking people up on the white pages and calling down a street. It wasn't it was, I mean, it was not great. So – um, now I was obviously a lot younger, you know, it was, it was a different time and, and like the internet wasn't, Zillow wasn't a thing, right? All these places weren't there to me though, to get started having, you know, like it's, it's more about confidence than anything else, because if you're sitting there three, four, five, six months, not doing anything. I mean, I think about going another direction. I don't know what you guys yeah, would have done for sure. Yeah. Because then you, 
you would be wondering, well, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? But yeah, if you surround yourself with, you know, like-minded people that are motivated and um, they can offer support like we have, I I'm, I'm feel very fortunate um, with our team. Yeah, and, abso- uh, absolutely. I mean, the support is um, just amazing. So you you just, you know that whatever's going on, there's somebody that you can reach out to at all times, you know, just for if you just want to bounce something off of somebody, you know, get another opinion, um, maybe just, you know, vent a little bit. But there's always somebody there. So, and yeah, find a mentor. Look up to that person that's doing more sales than you. And, and what are they doing? You know, grab their ear and see if they can offer some advice or just, um, you know, dive into their daily day. But I think mentors are awesome. Um, mastermind uh, groups are phenomenal. Um, it's it's just great to get somebody else's perspective and to be on a team is just amazing. So that's right. a good to, piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to sometimes you have all of the right pieces, but the way that you're presenting them isn't getting you the results that you want. And seeing how somebody who is getting things done, how they're doing it. I mean, it could be a little tweak that you can do to adjust that could make all of the difference. And, um, you know, being part of a team, if something comes up in inspections or something you know, different issues come up, talking to somebody who, hey, well, this is what happened um, in this case, and here's how we were able to get around it. Sometimes you get solutions that you wouldn't have thought of on your own. There's definitely some synergy that goes on being around, um, you know, people that are are doing things properly and, um, you know, they can help motivate you. Well, in the group you're around, you're going to end up like behaving and acting life. And, and I mean, we spend a lot of time together just just working because that's what most people do. Um, I remember when my my son went to first grade, he goes, "I'm probably going to be with you as much as you uh, your kids as much as you are." And I was like, "Wow, I feel like a really crappy dad right now." But then he's like, "No, think about it." And it, it was a good point. Uh, and it's not just joining a team. I mean, obviously, we, we I'm a little biased on on how we approach this here, and I'm sure you guys are too. Uh, but like, there's a couple other ways to do this, right? Like, so. Some of the advice here was do your research before you decide where you want to work. I think that is Mm -hmm. so critical because like sales, most people just go with the first person they talk to and they don't realize what else is involved. So having the right support is going to be really critical and just getting a feel if you even want to be there. I think that's that's as important as anything else. Um, People do business with people that they like. So, you know, it's a relationship business. So you need to be in a, a place where you ha- feel good about the people you're around. Because some brokerages, like, it's it's not like that. I mean, it's it's, it's a little more cutthroat, and, and there's a lot of competition. Um, befriending other top-producing agents, I think, is a great one. And it doesn't have to be locally. I think that's where people get a little hung up. When you do things outside your market, people are a lot more willing to share because you're not necessarily competing with them. So that's where, you know, coaching and that sort of stuff can help. Find a mentor you respect. Um constantly educate yourself and pass it on and then you know when someone asks you for help do the same thing uh, you know listen to podcasts uh, you know I mean it was all and then it, it went on to um, also you know find someone that's like a doing the stuff you want to do right like find a busy agent or a busy listing agent or, or something like that so the environment is going to lead to a certain kind of success I, I'm, I'm really clear and it's actually going to multiply your efforts than if you're trying to do it on your own and work on an island so that was my second big takeaway um, the third one I had, and this one I found really interesting was about like self-care. Um, tell me what you, what you, like what you guys are doing for self-care right now. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Boy, that's so important. Self-care. Cause it can get lost. Yeah. Like in this business, it can totally like first thing you dump is your self-care. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, well, I've, you know, I'm just always been, um, 
a healthy eater, so I try to eat real clean. I, I've been doing that since my early 20s. But I used to be a Dorito as an iced tea kind of chick. But as I'm gave, drinking iced tea. Oh, that's, that's okay. No, Stacey has like eight cups of coffee a day, so right. we all have our vices. So Right, but it doesn't have sugar in it, so that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, so healthy eating, because that, that is your fuel. That's going to give you the energy to keep going. Um, and also, you have to do some kind of stress relief, whatever it is, whether you exercise, but you have to take care of the body. So uh, that's like top priority. And don't ignore signs of your own health. If your body's telling you something, you, ha- you have to address it. Yeah. Don't, you know, if you got that internal pain and it's been going on for six months, a year, go have it looked at. Go, go get it. You know, it's good to go to the doctors. Um, but yeah, self-care is priority. And, and try to get sleep. I know that's tough, but especially when you got some deals that are like rattling in your head and you're up at two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But yeah, self-care is imperative in this business. Yeah, there's like some funny memes out there, I feel like, of for like realtors trying to fall asleep and then like, <laughs> did I lock the door to that showing that I was at earlier today? You know, like, yeah, you can definitely like let your mind race. So, um, yeah, I would say, I mean, definitely eating healthy. I know I've been trying to just be more present in the moment. So, you know, when you're doing something with family, like unless if you have something that you know is is going on with a deal or something that you need to be aware mm-hmm. of, like um, – you know, take your time with them to be with them. And then you can like be more open and focused on, on what you've got going on other times. I feel like I've certainly in different times tried to multitask too much to where it, you know, it, it ends up like then you're just all over the place. So, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of focusing. So, so those are all really good. And I, I love being present because a lot of realtors seem like on their phone all the time. And they're like checking their email every 30 seconds. And, and that, that, that's not healthy for anybody for a lot of reasons. Um, what they came up with in, in the article here was uh, eat healthy, think healthy. So I think that's something we kind of hit on. And, you know, I, they also talked about um, making sure that you're like like going to the gym, like some sort of physical activity, whatever that looks like, and and having like a, like a routine and a schedule. Because if you know when you're going to turn it off and then you got to like make sure you're actually turning it off then, because I've, we all talked about it. It's really easy to let this stuff like bleed into your free time. And then you get like a ticked off spouse or your kids are like, dad, what the hell are you doing? Or, I mean, at least that's what my kids say, um, <laughs> verbatim. But uh, so the, the the point is that I think you have to figure out a way you're going to take care of yourself because this, mm-hmm. in this business, it's so go all the time. If you really want to, like when you're on, you're on. But when you're off, you should be off. It's kind of like that alter ego thing where like the door opens to the listing appointment. You could be having the worst day ever and you better be smiling, ready to close that thing. And if it's not, that's okay too, but you shouldn't be in the appointment. It, it's so kind of like what you're talking, being present, whatever you're doing. So those to me were the three big takeaways. Now, at the same time, if you're a new agent, you better be ready to put some hours in. Like, I don't want to sit here and tell new agents, hey, great, you can have this like easy schedule. When you're getting started anything, you got to work a little harder at the beginning and then it gets easier as you go. Um, and, and that's where, you know, the fourth thing I saw here, and then we'll take a quick break, was like skill building and role play. Like, practice your scripts, practice your dialogues, you know, on, on, you know get, get your system set up. And I think that's an obvious thing. That kind of goes with the first one there. So, Anything else you guys heard here or saw in the article you think we should hit on or are we ready to we, we pared down this eighty nine point list pretty pretty effectively. Yeah, I, I think we hit a lot. Well we're gonna call it right there. So uh, what we're gonna do, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. We have Catherine Strock here and she is gonna talk about her company, which is Mid Atlantic Pine Straw. Very exciting. I think there's a lot to unpack here. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. All right, all right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we have Catherine Strock here with Mid-Atlantic Pine Straw, which we're really excited to talk about your company. It's it's a really cool company. It's a woman-owned company with a sustainable product. And, and just a reminder that Stacy, Sarah, and I all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. So, Kat, first off, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So, little known fact is that Brian from our team has been on the show before. They're they're like next door neighbors with Kat and her husband Bill, and Bill was my neighbor when I was like five, ten years old out in Chester Springs. So, there's a lot of connections here, which is pretty wild. Um, so, I'd love. I'm really excited to dig into your company here. So, it's a woman-owned business, which I think is really important. Tell us a little bit about it, because this is not something that's like normal for our area versus like down south. Yeah, so uh, pine straw mulch is uh, sustainable and renewable, unlike uh, other types of hardwood mulch. And um, we lived in, grew up here, like you said, in Pennsylvania. I lived in the Carolinas for many years and came to love pine straw mulch, which is actually pine needles from the longleaf pine tree. And um, when we were relocated back here, we found that a lot of people that live in the north wanted the look that they use in the south. So started restarted the business here um we had started it in the south and it it took off and is growing more and more each year so now people all the way up to maine can get pine straw and we distribute all the way up up there and as well as um all the way down to like the baltimore um virginia area as well wow that's, that's a pretty large distribution channel so i mean what 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 kind of made you want to get started with, with the company up here because this i didn't even know about this until brian had like reconnected us here I mean, I don't know about you two. I've never seen anything besides like black mulch or mm-hmm. red mulch. Like, this is totally new to me. And, and certainly the, the photos and everything looks great. And there's some environmental benefits too. Yeah. So um, the biggest differences are that it's super easy to install. So I can carry two bales myself, whereas um, with regular hardwood mulch, you need a wheelbarrow. You need to scoot that around the yard and use a pitchfork. And um, so it's super easy to install. You just need your hands and um, 
the other benefits, obviously, are that it comes from a pine tree, so the needles are falling anyhow. We're not tearing down trees and shredding them up and using a lot of um, resources. That uh, So that reduces our carbon footprint immensely. So that's huge when it comes to environmental benefits. Um, and like I said, it's, it's renewable and sustainable. And um, yeah, so those are the main environmental benefits. And um, people really like the aesthetics of it. So um, we supply Longwood Gardens and the Beer Garden with pine straw. Oh, wow. So a lot of people will go there and they see it and, and they would like to have it at their home. So um, we deliver to residences as well as landscapers, um, distributors, um, all different homeowners associations. Yeah. What made you want to get started in this? Um, really, it, it started just, um, you know, a love of landscaping and different things for the yard that make it look nice and that are easy to use and good for the earth. Um, like I said, we lived in the Carolinas and um, there wasn't a good uh, distribution and ordering format available. So we thought there was an e-commerce opportunity available and so we uh, took it upon ourselves to start um, online ordering and um, just a more streamlined process. Even with hardwood mulch, there isn't a good, efficient process. So we feel like being able to order online is is efficient. And um, yeah, I love the look at it uh, of it. Um, I didn't even know about this until I have friends that move south, and um, she had posted pictures of her freshly laid pine straw mulch, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that? It looks so cool. So. Now, I didn't even know we could get this in this area. So quick question. If you already have the mulch around your house, mm-hmm. do you have to remove that in order to put this in place? So that's a question we get all the time. Um, no, you don't. Um, so you can just put the pine straw mulch down over top of whatever mulch you have um, and no need to take it up or anything like that. And a lot of people also wonder how often they need to put it down. So it's re- really a matter of personal preference. We recommend at least one to two times a year. But if you want to freshen it up in the fall or the summertime, you can um, put a fresh layer down. But, yeah, no, you don't have to take up the existing mulch. That's good. It saves a lot of work. <laughs> have you guys ever mulched your own yard before? Like, All it, the time, it, is yeah. it is a nightmare. I mean, I, I love just the, the, the ease factor here because yeah. you can just carry – I mean, it's you got to dig out the old mulch. Get rid of it. You got to dispose of it. It's a total pain. So mm-hmm. I, I think that is really appealing for a lot of people like myself that hate yard work in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I that that's really cool. So where do do you have like a pine tree orchard, and then <laughs> you go around and like what does the process look like, or where are the trees at? Sure. So like I said, um, all longleaf pine trees now are located in the southeastern part of the U.S. Okay. The longleaf pines um, growing area has been reduced just due to development and okay. that kind of thing. So. Um, as a group of longleaf pine trees is called a stand. That's the technical term. So it's um, tracts of land that are purposely um, used for growing longleaf pine trees. So um, we have um, folks who rake the pine needles and then they're baled by hand and then loaded onto a tractor trailer and we have it inspected before we transport it up to this area and um, yeah so it comes from the southeastern part of the u.s south carolina specifically is where our pine straw comes from yeah and then are they i guess after you they rake them up do they get like dried out in like somewhere or like hung up or i guess they wouldn't be hung up they'd be way too little um (laughs) (laughs) like is there a process there for drying them or is it just they're ready to go once you rake them up yeah, so they're already dry when um, when they're being raked, um, and then they're kept dry when they're on the trailer. 
Um, and when we deliver them, you know, people ask, do I need to cover them with a tarp? You can. And it does help, but they can get wet. It just makes them a little heavier to carry the bales around. Right. Um, yeah, but you had mentioned about the needle being short, so longleaf pine. Oh, I guess they have long needles. <laughs> yeah, are longer than you see up here in the north. Um, the needles are anywhere between like 8 and 16 inches in length, so that makes them really good for mulching because the needles kind of lock together and don't wash away with the rain and the wind. Nice. Yeah. That's a real problem, too, because, like, if you, it's like, I mean, some we get some really bad rainstorms mm-hmm. here, and then you always see, like, along the edge of the house, like, the mulch just gets spit up somewhere in the... In, in, I just get so annoyed by this stuff because I don't want to deal with it. I just wanted to be there. I'm, I'm probably like the worst yard person that's out there because I just hope someone else does it for me. And that's what we pay them for. But I, I think that that alone is a really cool factor here, despite in, 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 in addition to the sustainability. Yeah. So like I said, um, a lot of people, especially on hillsides, they'll use pine straw mulch on the hillsides because the needles kind of lock together and they're not washed when we get rain or wind. They're not washing down the hillside. They They stay in place and um, so that's a, another benefit. Um, that's a huge benefit. Yeah. That's because mulch on hills is is a big problem. <laughs> yeah, and doesn't then work. The other um, thing that our customers really like is that um, uh, pine needles and pine straw mulch doesn't carry or harbor mold spores. So hardwood mulch typically you'll see like mm-hmm. you know when it's wet or summery time you'll see mounds of mold or um, mm-hmm. fungus. And it spits. It spits yeah. on your car. It spits on your. The artillery, other, mm-hmm. I think that's artillery fungus. That Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so a, I, I never stuff. knew that was a real thing. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to get off. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like sticks. Yeah. It's like glue. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. I know I'm going to have to switch to this come springtime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Most, yeah. Most people that switch never go back to mm-hmm. anything else because it is so user friendly and beautiful and it looks it looks beautiful yeah. I, mean, I just a- didn't know that we could get it in this area yeah the aesthetic is so cool i mean it mm-hmm. does it does feel like you're down south which i, mm-hmm. I but some of the uh the, the landscaping down south especially like the carolinas it's so unique i mean and just, the stuff doesn't survive up here but this kind of brings that additional piece to to the area and it, it seems like it's a heck of a lot easier to maintain i mean and by the end of the season the mulch looks like crap anyway like mm-hmm. it's all like the, the color's all gone mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like winter time. Like I can just imagine, like a colder day, this would even look a lot better if it was, you know, like like a week or two ago. So yeah, it does stay looking a little bit nicer. It has a slower decomposition rate than the hardwood mulch, so it does stay looking nice longer. And um, what's yeah. the recommended thickness now? And when I'm looking on your website and um, I'm looking at some of the pictures, it looks kind of thick and fluffy, mm-hmm. which looks really nice. Does it maintain that, or do you have to kind of like fluff it up a little bit on occasion? So when you first put it down, you spread tease the it. Oh, yeah, tease <laughs> it right. Um, when you first put it down, it does look a little puffy, mm-hmm. um, just because there's air in between the needles. But that does go down quite a bit after about a week or so, and after we get a rain, um, mm-hmm. some people wonder if they have to spray it with water or pack it down. But no, it will just settle down, um, and you don't have to tease it or <laughs> fluff it. Um, it just settles down into like a nice. Um, a nice layer, <clears throat> but you asked about the depth. Um, so typically, we're, we recommend about a two and a half to three inch depth, um, which is standard in mulching for any mulch. And um, yeah, so each of our bales covers about forty square feet at a depth of two to three inches. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what does turnaround time look like from when you, if you go on and order it, when would you get your get your order? Um, it just depends on, you know, where our, what our delivery schedule looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we can deliver within anywhere from two to five days. Wow. Um, unless it's for a large order. We do any, everywhere from um, 
We do everywhere from uh, smaller order residential orders to larger tractor trailer orders, which is like 1,500 bales. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. And we're getting a Zillow call here on the, on the radio show somewhere. I don't know, maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's Gabe. Um, so, I mean, to me, I mean, you know, this is such a cool product because I, I love the look. Like, for, for someone like me, the look is really what I'm going. Like, I'm going to get a landscaper to put it in. I'm probably not going to do this myself. But it just – it's so much different looking than everything else. I mean, is that wh- – where do most of your customers come from? Do they want the sustainability? Do they want the look? What, what are you finding is the big appeal up here? Um, people – a lot of our customers are um, – focused on, you know, the environmental benefits of using pine straw mulch. Um, But we do have a lot of people who just want something different. They're tired of getting a big pile of mulch dumped in their driveway and having to chip (laughs) away at it for an entire week um, where they can spread um, the same amount of mulch in just, you know, a couple hours versus something that would take them a week. Um, The other reason a lot of people choose pine straw mulch is for the weed control. So, They'll use it under not only in flower beds and around bushes and shrubs and that kind of thing, but they'll use it in wooded areas to keep the weeds down. That's your. That's pretty idea. interesting. Yeah. I hate weeding even more than mulching, so this is this <laughs> yes. is really good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I think the the sustainability thing is huge, and I feel like oftentimes when if you're maybe picking a more sustainable choice, you're kind of I don't want to say giving up something, but uh, in this case, you're it's lighter, it's easier to spread, um, plus the the added benefit of being able to stand up to the rain and, um, you know, high winds, and it's it's making making a sustainable choice also an appealing look, and it has, you know, there's a lot of benefits there, so that's, that's great. And if you want to order this, the website here, it's midatlanticpinestraw.com. We're going to make sure we plug this a couple times, and we'll get it out on the social channels. So, I mean, you can do it all through your website, right? Like, so talk about like if someone wants to order it or get in touch. I mean, it, it's pretty easy to do, from what I can tell. Yeah, so you can order online. Um, you can order um, anywhere from you know a couple bales and pick it up in Downingtown at Maxwell's Hardware, which is our pickup location, or you can order a pallet if you are out of state and you want to have it shipped. We do deliver to a lot of the surrounding areas, like Delaware, New Jersey, D.C., that kind of thing. But if say you're in I don't know, um, somewhere in Ohio that we can't get to with our truck, you can order a pallet and we can ship that to you on LTL, LTL carrier. Um, so, yeah, somebody would go to the website and order and then order comes to us and then we put it in the delivery queue and get that out for delivery. Um, we also sell um, a box of pine straw. So some people want a smaller amount and they don't want to pick it up or have the bales delivered. So they'll order a box, which is the equivalent of three bales if they just have a very small area. Got it. Okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense for like people, especially around here, because some people only have like a tenth of an acre yard. They got a couple flower beds in the front. Mm-hmm. So that, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So y- you mentioned you're a women-owned business. So like, talk a little bit about that in today's environment. I mean, especially being in landscaping. So I mean, have you had any challenges there, or is it, has it been easy to gain footing and, and gain traction here? I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about that before we close. We got about three minutes. Okay. Yeah. So um, being a woman-owned business, um, the thing that the biggest advantage that I find is connecting with other woman-owned businesses and just getting to know those customers and other people that work in the industry. Um, I enjoy getting to know the customers and going on, out on deliveries as much as I enjoy um, finding new distributors and getting them set up and that kind of thing. So um, there are challenges for sure. Um, people are not always as welcoming as you would think in that type of an industry, but um, I haven't really had any um, stumbling blocks that are too big that I can't 
conquer along the way. Um, most people are, are pretty receptive. And if anything, it works to my advantage because, um, you know, people are intrigued by a woman who owns her own business and can do all of the things that other people in the industry typically do and talk about trucking and backhauling and yeah. <laughs> all of the things that people don't really expect you to say. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, and I encourage, you know, people to call us with questions and um, that kind of thing. If um, And we're always hiring, too. So if we're always looking for delivery driver, drivers and that kind of thing. So if anybody's interested in that, I am always welcome, open to, um, you know, talking to anyone. Love it. Love it. So, again, it's midatlanticpinestraw.com, and they deliver to Pennsylvania, New England, Midwest, mid-Atlantic states here. Um, it's a, <laughs> so we, we, got, we got some phone calls going off. It's busy season for realtors here. No worries. So um, it's midatlanticpinestraw.com. All over the Northeast is what I'm hearing. Kat, anything else you want to add here before we wrap up or anything else people people should know about your company? No, not really. Other um, other than the fact that we do have a pickup location, like I said, in Downingtown, um, we have pine straw all year. So awesome. e- even in the winter months, we are busy. And um, yeah, so check us out. Stop by Maxwell's Hardware to check out our website. Um, we're on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and happy to be here. All right. So it's midatlanticpinestraw.com. What's the, uh, what's the Instagram handle real quick? Um, it is at pine straw. At pine straw. Easy enough. Very cool. So that's it for this week. Kat, Thanks for coming on. Awesome stuff. If you guys are looking for mulch, get some pine straw. I'm interested. Uh, Sounds like Stacy's already sold. Yes. (laughs) You want to follow us uh, or the team, just Google Tom Tool Sales Group. You can follow Sarah. It's at Ty underscore Ty Time. You can follow Stacy at at the number two Mitchco dot com or at two Mitchco. Sorry. And that's all on Instagram. You can follow me at Tom Tool 3RD. Check out our website. It's TomTool.com. Again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Main Line. And this is Tool Time. Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.